0: This podcast is produced by KPP Financial, Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial, independent thinking, shared success.
1: And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. It's a Thursday, February 6th. 2020 edition of Invest Talk. Yep, we're into the second trading month of the year. Although January was pretty long, just so much going on with uh, uh, you know the the coronavirus and the tragedy with Kobe and the rest on board, and it was just a, it was a long January. I felt, um, but we are into the second month of the year and. There's been a lot of volatility uh, around the coronavirus, around the economic numbers that are hitting for uh, the first month of the year, and we had a few of those data points today, uh, and different strategies are, are working uh, in in this market uh, than than last year. So we're going to get to that and, and many other topics on today's show. And each day on Invest Talk, our goal is to help you take that next step in your own version of financial freedom so I'm Justin Klein and I hope you will call me in this hour and through this invest talk radio program and podcast my company as well Steve's company KP Financial can help you become a better investor that's our goal each and every day and we do this with a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success so if you're looking for unbiased guidance you've come to the right place. Now, it's really quite simple. Uh, our investment strategies ride along right with our clients. Uh, right, So whatever we're implementing for ourselves, we implement for our clients as well. It's something we call parallel investing. And that's why we do it together. That's why we succeed together each and every day on this show and for our clients. Now, now I've set things up and I'm here ready to answer your investing and finance questions. And our Anytime Listener line is open at 8899 chart, 8889924278. So I'm taking your live calls now. Now it's official. Steve Peasley will return to San Jose February 27th. And this is your opportunity to get a no cost, no obligation portfolio review consultation with Steve. Sit down one on one. We can do that over the phone, via Skype via FaceTime as well, however you want to connect, we can do that even if you're not in the San Jose region. I did two of those today. So, uh, you know, sent sent portfolios over, I put them into our system, sent back a report, understanding goals, risk, and really helping those potential clients. Some may be clients, some may not be clients, but The bottom line is I I help them. I help them figure out where they're at and where they could potentially go. And we'll see. Maybe, you know, usually some become clients, some don't. But no matter what, we want to help every one of you out there in any way we possibly can. So to get your name on the list for either uh, an in-person or over-the-phone consultation, you can do that at investtalk.com. Now, my main talking point today concerns the coronavirus outbreak and it making it difficult for Chinese investors to buy real estate. And I'm gonna cover that and what that might mean in the near term for real estate prices and foreign investment in real estate here in the United States. Uh, both, like I said, the near term, but also long term, it could also be positive. So I'm gonna look at that. Also, what's better, dividends or buybacks? There's two ways that companies can return capital and money to shareholders. And it's either in dividends or share buybacks. We're going to talk about which one might be better. Also, commercial real estate. I'm going to give a kind of update on the market and how it's been acting a little different than the residential real estate market. And then lastly, if we have time, a spousal IRA and why that might make sense for you. Let's take a quick look at the market today. It was fairly mixed. Uh, We had small caps down a little bit. The NASDAQ S&P were up. But uh, transportation was down. I believe the NYSE was slightly up. So it was a a very modest, modest up day uh, in the market and still trying to assess what's the long-term ramifications of the coronavirus. Is this something that's going to peter out or is it going to intensify? And I think it's still up in the air. Let's go to Raul in North Carolina looking at Canopy Growth Corporation.
2: Yeah. Hi, Edison. Thanks for taking the call. I find your program really useful. Uh, I was wondering, I mean, if, uh, I mean, to get your thoughts about uh, this company, I entered it at uh, 43 uh, and I kept selling options. I bought my cost price to 28 and right now at 21. Mm-hmm. Uh, should I hold on mm-hmm. to this?
1: Well, this is about seven point three billion dollar market cap. They have minimal debt, good amount of cash in their balance sheet, which I like, even though they're still losing money. Net income trailing twelve months it was a negative one point four billion, and cash from operations was a negative five hundred million. So, they're. Not a profitable business, um, but they're early on in their growth phase, right? This is a Canadian-based company that manufactures and sells marijuana for medical and recreational cannabis consumers. The, I, re, I, I, I still like the space, but you have to be very careful on where you allocate money because there's a lot of people coming after the space and you know many of the big players aren't even public, right? That... Um, that are going to be the, the good long-term players. And I think there's only a handful of public companies today that are really going to be well-run and viable 10 years from now. Right? They'll, it's really going to take great leadership, both on the manufacturing and marketing front, but also the regulatory front as well. Um, so I think the sector certainly has great long-term tailwinds, and we know that, and that's why most people are interested in them. Uh, the, the issue that I think, and, and I don't know a ton about canopy growth, to, to be fair, I haven't done a ton of research, but if they're just manufacturing the product, I see that as a very low margin, difficult business to uh, turn profitable over the long term. because. You're basically a commodity producer, and you're selling a weed, right? However, you want to do it, marijuana is a weed. It's very easy to grow um, in in general. So, I don't love the space. It's not my favorite in the space, Um, but I do agree. It does have good long term uh, tailwinds to its back. It's just I don't like the producer. I like companies that that have brands and distribution. Those, to me, are the companies that are going to really turn big profits once there is broad legalization here in the United States. I know they did that uh, in Canada already, but there's still a long way to go, and you're going to have a lot of volatility, right? This is the name that 52-week high is 5274. Now you're at 21, so it's down 60% from that high. It could go down to 60% very easily. Um, Now, technically, it's improved from a low of 13.81. And now it's, like I said, 21.17 to close today. It's flirting with kind of a a breakout. It does have a nice bullish flag pattern. So technically, it's certainly getting much, much stronger over the past couple of months. Um, But it's still very high risk. And it's not my favorite in the space. Thanks for the call, Raul. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and you and I both know that no one can reliably predict market moves. It's very difficult, especially in today's day and age with so many headlines and uh, computer algorithms, right, that are trading the market. Uh, but it's important for you to have a balanced portfolio that can handle any market and just simply reach your goals, right? Because that's the end of the day. What you're here for is to reach your financial independence goals. And sometimes it takes taking more risk, less risk, medium amount of risk, uh, allocating different asset classes, different areas of the market, etc. So we'd love to sit down at our KPP financial, financial offices in Irvine, California, or uh, in our stops across the country, We'd love to sit down and talk with you. So you can always give our office a call at 800-557-5461, or you can visit our website, investtalk.com, and click on the Contact Us button. And now I'm taking your questions live at 888 chart
2: This is Talk. Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized?
1: Now let's check in a little bit on the real estate market. 30-year fixed mortgage rate today was at 3.45%, the lowest in three weeks. And obviously this these low rates are going to stoke, ignite demand in housing, which is about 20% of the overall economy. And with rates declining, consumers' buying power continues to increase and the affordability becomes a lot better, Right, even with higher Home prices. So, borrowing two hundred fifty thousand, for example, at three and a half percent now costs one hundred and forty-four dollars less per month than, say, eighteen months ago when it was like four and a half percent, right? Or a year ago, right? It's about a year ago, it was about four four and a half percent. So, that doesn't sound like a lot, but in aggregate, when you add that up across the country, that tends to mean more. More demand for buying homes, especially in the higher priced market. So in the big picture, now 14.5 million homeowners with mortgages have more than 50% ownership stake in their prof- property. That is about a quarter of all mortgaged homes. So that's a good thing. Now today, only 3 million home mortgages are underwater. and the past year, that figure was as high as 12%. Uh, and so Uh, certainly we've turned the page at least in the near term on the real estate uh, collapse from 2008 and a lot more people are uh, able to sell their homes for more than they owe and move which that was an issue for uh, 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 most of this recovery where people were kind of trapped in their homes so certainly that has been good, and the mortgage discipline has become a lot better. So, I don't think the the housing market is under the same threat that it was 12, 13 years ago um, because of that. But it doesn't mean that it won't be volatile in a potential recession. So, be aware of that. Now, my main talking point today concerns the report that the coronavirus outbreak is making it difficult for Chinese buyers to buy U.S. real estate. Uh, Now, Trump has banned travel by non-US citizens or non-direct family members of US citizens here in the United States, which makes it very difficult for those Chinese citizens to visit the United States in order to complete a purchase. And and most of them want to see what they're buying, right? They want to get their eyes on the property and make sure that they're not getting scammed, they're not... Uh, you know, buying something that they're they're you know they have an idea about the property that isn't reality, right? So they want to get their eyes on it, and this comes on the heels of a pretty sharp decline in Chinese purchases of American residential real estate. Now, in two thousand nine, about thirteen point four billion dollars was spent by the Chinese, Chinese citizens on U.S. real estate, but that's down from thirty point four billion in two thousand and eighteen. And part of this is due to the trade war. So that's a little bit off the table, still not completely because our tariffs are still in place until November. And the yuan actually fell in value over 2019, which made U.S. real estate more expensive. Also, starting in 2016, China began limiting outbound investments to the equivalent of $50,000, which means a lot of these buyers had to take out mortgages, where typically they like to use cash. Now, in the near term, I think that is certainly going to have a drag on some demand, especially West Coast, New York, college towns. Um, you know, th- those areas I think are going to have a drag a little bit from on the buy side. However, long term, this pandemic in China will likely have a tailwind for more demand from China to buy US real estate cuz they don't they're even less enamored with their country and the stability of it after this right so they want something more stable so i think long term this actually is positive for foreign direct investment in US real estate i'm ready to take your call at 888-99
2: This is Invest Talk, and it's official. Steve Peasley has reserved Thursday, February 27th, for his next visit to San Jose. This is your opportunity to get a no-cost, no-obligation, and personalized portfolio review consultation. It's all about helping you achieve financial freedom. San Jose, February 27th. Learn more and register now at InvestTalk.com.
1: Let's go to Randy in Minnesota looking at 3M Corporation. Hey, how are you? I'm doing well. And uh, you're looking at 3M. Is this because of the dividend or you think it's a great value? Do you, do you own it?
2: Well, well, we do own it. My question is my wife has worked for 3M for about 15 years. And she fortunately mm-hmm. gets a, um, a stock plan that gives her a discount on it of 15%. Um, the stock's been getting kind of hit the last few years. Should, mm. We have a pretty good stake in it. Should we keep buying it since we're getting the 15% discount?
1: Well, I get, I get this question a lot from uh, workers of large corporations and they get that discount. But what I usually tell them is, you want to make sure it's no more than 15% of our overall Portfolio or overall financial assets, and you know you can still do that, but typically you can sell it real quick, right, and get that fifteen percent gain. Uh, can do you know if she can do that?
2: Um, about six months, I believe.
1: Six months. Okay. Well, then that becomes a little bit more of a risk, but I would certainly, I would certainly be reducing that overall exposure, even though it's gotten hit. Uh, But this is a good example of why you need to reduce that overall exposure, right? Is because even without a recession, this is a name that's uh, fallen from a high of uh, over $250 back in 2018. Now we're at $162. Uh, And their business is struggling to some degree. And uh, even though I like the business long term, nobody should have more than 15% of their overall retirement assets in one particular company. So that would be my ultimate goal is... On you know, still buy them a discount, but continue to sell posi- sell sell larger positions than you're buying, so that you o- o- eventually reduce that exposure to no more than fifteen percent. Does that make sense, Randy?
0: Yeah, yeah. We'll check that
2: out and see what percentage. I have a feeling we're probably at about
1: twenty percent right now. Okay, yeah. I would try to reduce that. I mean, I even say ten percent is probably a better goal, um, but fifteen percent, I wouldn't want. I wouldn't sleep well at night to have anything more than 15%. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Sean in Seattle looking at K.R. Kroger.
2: Hi, Justin. How you doing?
1: I'm doing well. You own Kroger? You're looking to buy it? What is it?
2: Yeah, I got in about $23 a share. Um, it was a couple months ago, kind of in the face of the news of a possible bear market. Um, I guess my question is, if you think it's a good long-term play, a uh, good dividend play, and how you think uh, grocery stores are going to perform in the ine- inevitable next uh, bear market.
1: Well, typically, grocery stores do fairly well in in any market. Uh, and even in recessions, they they tend to do sometimes even better, right? Because less people eat out, and they tend to try to save some money, and they do that by cooking at home uh, and they spend a little more at the grocery store and a lot less at the uh, the restaurants right so Kroger for example 2018 their cash flow from operations was actually higher uh, throughout the year and in the midst of a very bad bear market so it is typically is a, a good anti-cyclical type of holding. And it yields about 2.3%. Revenue was up 1% last quarter. Earnings down 2%. Earnings for 2020 are expected to be up 3%. 6% for 2021. You know, so it's a very slow growth business. It's not very exciting. It's typically going to grow roughly what the overall uh, economy does, right? Uh, on average. So. You're, you're not going to pay a high multiple and it's not trading at a high multiple now technically it, it certainly recovered from that low of around20 dollars a share and now we're at 28 and uh, that's it's a nice solid move so on a weekly basis it's, it's a little bit overbought but on a daily it's continued to consolidate and you know I kind of like the name I kind of like the area I like the dividend it's certainly sustainable and, and likely to increase their debt ratios have declined over the past uh a couple years, right in 2018, they had uh, long-term debt of about 15 billion. That's gone down to about 12.6 billion. So that's a nice positive that they're using uh, cash to deleverage their balance sheet, get them in a little safer position because I think they were a little precarious for uh, a few years. So I really like uh, what they're doing, and I would continue to hold it, uh, and I think it's a good long-term play. Thanks for the call, Sean. Let's go to Danvinder in San Jose looking at Exxon Mobil. Yes. So you're looking to buy it? Uh, yes,
2: sir. Yes.
1: Okay. Why do you like Exxon? That's
2: a, that's a, that's a good time to buy the for dividend? For uh, almost three, four year holding.
1: Three four three, four years. Well, we're going to have to go to a quick break, uh, but I will answer your question after this break, and I'll uh, have a little more to say then. Now, the next invest talk, of the story. The Secretary of Treasury says he's expecting the U.S. economy to grow about 3% in 2020, thanks in part to Boeing's 737 MAX crisis. Is he right? That story tomorrow. I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions at 888 99 Chart.
2: Overall, I feel pretty good about our investment decisions. But there are times I wonder if our current 401k plan could be doing better. I mean, which funds are the right funds for me? For us. You're listening to someone who could benefit from KPP Financial's Active
0: 401k program.
2: I can't spend all my time following the market, and I'm sure it would certainly be a big help to receive advice based on real data from unbiased advisors. The Active 401k program features math-based models to guide you in and out of the various investment options in your plan. KPP monitors and advises you take action with the Active 401k program. KPP clients immediately see current investment recommendations configured to match their personal plan preferences. Active 401k. Okay. Take the next step toward your financial freedom. Start with a contact call to KPP Financial. Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck. Because Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call
1: 888-99-CHART. All right, now before the break, Dan Bender asked me about ExxonMobil. And uh, I've talked about this a little bit over the past few weeks. And it, Exxon's being dragged down because of their purchase of XTO Energy, which is a big natural gas producer, a few years back. And uh, they, I forget what they paid for it, but it was, it was big. And it, uh, natural gas prices were a lot higher than they were today. And now we're near, I think, all-time lows for natural gas prices. And that's in the midst of a, a winter season when typically natural gas prices are higher. Because demand is typically higher. Uh, for natural gas. So that's a worry. Um, but I do think long-term, this will be a good price for Exxon. It, it might take a while for kind of the smaller players to go bankrupt and and uh, be pushed out of the the supply side of the equation. And that will give a boost back to natural gas prices. Because I do think long-term, natural gas still is... The more carbon-friendly way to meet our energy demands as a globe and as a country, and shale is certainly unlocking a lot of that supply, and that's why you see kind of those all-time lows. Now, I do I would not expect expect much, if any, dividend growth for a while on Exxon. Uh, their profitability metrics have come down substantially over the past. Trailing twelve months, uh, in fact, two thousand nineteen free cash flow was cut in half from about sixteen billion to eight billion, and you know that happened two thousand fifteen. It went from twelve billion in two thousand fourteen to three point eight in two thousand fifteen, uh, and it recovered. So I expect them to recover. They have tons of assets all over the world, and uh, they'll probably buy up some of these bankrupt ones that uh, are probably going to go bankrupt in the next few months, few quarters. Uh, due to so low natural gas prices, so I think that will be a good, uh, good thing for Exxon. Get rid of some of the supply in the marketplace, allow them to buy up some of those assets cheaply. And uh, but you're gonna have to be patient. Uh, could see a little bit more downside until there's a full turn in the uh, energy market as a whole. Let's go to a Maka in Cincinnati, looking at Eaton Corporation E T N.
2: Hi, Steve. How are you? Hi,
0: Justin. How are you?
1: I'm um, doing well. And uh, do you own Eaton Corporation? Are you looking to buy it? What is it?
0: No, I'm thinking of buying
2: it. I have been looking at them for quite some time. I don't know. Do you think it's a good buy? Because I can see the price has been going up recently, but I'm not really sure. And also, thank you so much mm-hmm. to you and Steve for everything you guys are doing for us.
1: No problem, no problem. Now, you're looking at Eaton Corporation. They provide electrical power and control equipment, hydraulic systems, and truck and drivetrain systems as well. So, from what I remember, they're, they're a pretty diversified industrial name. Uh, they supply some OEM parts to car manufacturers uh, as well as uh, industrial equipment as well. So... They're fairly diversified, $42 billion market cap, 2.8% dividend. Now, the last couple quarters have been kind of challenging. Revenue last quarter fell 4%, earnings fell 6%, but the stock is at an all-time high. So clearly, uh, they and the market are believing that that is more of a short-term blip as opposed to, something that is going to be persistent, right? You don't want persistent decline in revenue uh, and earnings. But one time, that's not a big deal. Now, they only have about $8 billion in debt, net debt on a $42 billion market cap, so not too bad there. Enterprise value to EBITDA is 14. Not super expensive, but not super cheap either. But I like the industrial space as a whole. Uh, and long term, they have pretty good profitability metrics with uh, return on equity... Kind of averaging in that uh, low teens, low double digits range, which is, is solid. It's not amazing, but solid and consistent, which is what I like about uh, Eaton is that their business is solid and consistent. And um, you know, I think it is overbought in the near term technically, so I'd wait for... Uh, a little pullback, maybe below the the 95 mark would be kind of where I would be looking to, to add this name. But I like it. I like its consistency, and I like the industrial space as a whole. So I'm a fan of Eaton. You just have to wait for, I think, a little bit of a pullback here. Thanks for the call, Amaka. Let's go to John in Santa Cruz, looking at KBWY, which is the Invesco Premium Yield Equity REIT. What do you know about this name?
0: Uh well it's a basket of REITs and uh okay. um I'm I'm interested in it because of the income and um uh, yeah. just wondered if uh if you thought this this might be a good thing to own. Or, you know, okay. like one or two percent
1: of the portfolio. Okay. Uh let's see. I'm trying to get an idea of what the portfolio is. Is is just a REIT ET a REIT ETF?
2: I believe so, yes. Uh,
1: okay. I'm just trying to figure out what the premium yield means. I mean, why is this different than, say, like an IYR, um, which is another uh, RE ETF that's, uh, that's more popular? IYR, okay. Yeah, I, I mean, that's just... I'm, I'm trying to find the difference here. You know, there's a lot of mm-hmm. ETFs that have been launched over the past... Uh, Dozen years or so, and some are very useful, and some are just kind of high priced. and And you rather go with something that's uh, that has lower price, better uh, strategy overall. This expense ratio is about 0.35 which is not crazy high, but uh, not super low either. Yields about six point seven percent. Morningstar gives it a one star rating, which is. Uh, pretty interesting. I'm not sure why that is. Uh, it, it's something to do with their process, I believe. So, um, you know, I rather just own something like IYR. Uh, this is lag the overall indexes, and so that's what worries me. So, I would just go with an IYR over this name. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Okay. No problem. Thanks for the call. That was KBWY. Oh, and it looks like uh, they only they invest in small and mid cap REITs. So uh, maybe that's their kind of claim to fame uh, is that they're just uh, you're getting a higher yield, but also more risk there. So in this market, especially where yields are, I just rather own kind of the bigger, safer names. So that was a great call and a great segue to my next talking point, which is what's better, dividends or stock buybacks. Those are the two main ways that companies can share their profits with investors. And uh, I get a lot of questions around this because investors love dividends, especially with interest rates so very low. People are chasing yield. And the demographics where you have 10,000 baby boomers retiring every day or needing income, they're turning to income-style investing. And that can be great can be a great way for businesses to share their profits with shareholders. And what dividends typically do is that they enforce discipline on management. Why? Because if companies make a lot of money, they have a lot of free cash flow, and they're sitting on this cash, what do they typically do? Well, they will go and spend it on projects. They will go and buy other companies. And... Typically, if they're just so flush with cash, they will make bad acquisitions. They will pay too much. They will go after projects, kind of any project, because they have the money, even if the ROI on that project is not that high, right? And so what dividend does is enforces discipline on management, because they need to deliver that dividend payment. So they have less money sitting on their balance sheet, so they need to be more judicious with how they spend that money on acquisitions, on projects, right? Now, share buybacks are a little bit different and they're also more flexible. When your company pays a dividend, typically want to continue that dividend. They're very adverse to cutting that dividend or eliminating that dividend unless there's some major financial problem with the business. Now a company can buy back its own shares just opportunistically. So it's not the straight jacket that dividend payments typically are. Now both are ways to return cash to shareholders uh, but share buybacks have the drawback of often being mistimed, right? So when companies are spending the most on buybacks, typically it's when the stock price is high, right? Because their business is doing well. So valuation can be a problem. Also, buybacks typically will benefit management, right? Because there are often incentives to get the share price higher or get the market cap higher. The dividends, they have tax consequences. When you get paid a dividend, if it's in a taxable account, you have to pay that dividend. Whereas share buybacks, that typically will give a tailwind to the stock price and you're able to pick when to take that profit, when to take money off the table and pay that tax. right? Now, share buy- buybacks with such low interest rates, being able to borrow cheaply, have become a lot more prominent in today's market. And so buybacks are really big, whereas dividend yields in the US market is actually much lower than they used to be. But if you're measuring how much a company is returning Profits to shareholders. You actually have to look at the combination of both, and if you actually look at that, we're about at the historical averages. So the overall dividend yield, if you look at both, is slightly above the the market, and it just shows you that you don't shouldn't just focus on the dividend. It's not the only criteria when you're trying to decide how much your money is being returned to you as a shareholder. Dividends are easy to calculate. You look them up. You know, okay, it's paying 20 cents a quarter. It's paying 80 cents a year. Divide that by the stock price. There's your yield. But that's only the dividend yield. Stock buyback yield is important as well. However, you don't want to be chasing companies that have levered up their balance sheet so dramatically in order to buy back shares so that management can get big bonuses and get big stock awards, right? And especially businesses that are very cyclical, because oftentimes that can be detrimental to shareholders. So that part of the equation often is more complicated, but it should not be ignored. I'm Justin Klein. You listen to Invest Talk. And you are not alone. Our podcasts are downloaded on average about 450,000 times each month. And in fact, since we began the podcast, we have now surpassed the 20 million download total mark. And Stephen, I thank you for your support. Please be sure to tell your friends and family members about Invest Talk and our website, InvestTalk.com. And of course, you can call our KP Financial offices in Irvine, California, if you need any help. And we want to help. We want to be a resource for you. But for now, our phone lines are open at 888-99-CHART.
2: This is InvestTalk, and it's official. Steve Peasley has reserved Thursday, February 27th for his next visit to San Jose. This is your opportunity to get a no-cost, no-obligation, and personalized portfolio review consultation. It's all about helping you achieve financial freedom. Steve Peasley can sit down with you in person and show you just how to optimize your portfolio. So get your name on his wait list early for your choice of best times. San Jose, February 27th. Learn more and register now at investtalk.com.
0: Hi, guys. I'm calling in on a question regarding wheat and wanted to get your opinion on whether it would be best to put it in a retirement account, such as IRA or Roth versus just a regular brokerage account for looking to get income from the investment and wanted to see if there was any advantages or disadvantages of putting it into a retirement account. I'll be listening to the answer on your great show. Thank you
1: great question and the answer is yes typically reits are best put in a retirement account of some type ira 401k a roth ira etc because the income on reits real estate investment trusts are taxed at your ordinary income tax rate if they are in a taxable account so if you're trying if you have multiple you have uh, tax deferred as well as taxable and you're trying to pick one or the other you want to do that in your tax-deferred account. That's the best use. Now, it doesn't mean that you should never put one in a taxable account. Uh, Never say never. But if you have both and you're trying to pick between one or the other, it's best to do it within that tax-deferred. Now, there are other types like master limited partnerships, which there become less of them because of some rule changes. But uh, having those in a tax-deferred account like an IRA, 401k, that can create Problem. So it can create, uh, if you have more than a certain amount of income, you, have to, you know, get a K-1, file a different tax return, it becomes a big problem. So that you'd want in your taxable account so you don't have those those issues with the, the tax-deferred account. So you know, understanding the tax consequences of that income becomes very, very important uh, and goes back to that topic just a few minutes ago about dividends versus stock buybacks and dividends – you have to deal with tax consequences, and you need to make sure that you are handling those in the proper fashion. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we have one goal here on Invest Talk each and every weekday. And that's to help you achieve your own particular version of financial freedom. And our work continues after our final break coming up. So if you're going to call, you need to do it right now and get your questions in at 888 99 chart.
2: On the next Invest Talk, the Secretary of the Treasury says he's expecting U.S. economic growth to be under 3% in 2020, thanks in part to Boeing's 737 jet crisis. Is he right? That story tomorrow. But now Justin Klein is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. Call Justin 888 99Chart.
1: Let's go to James in New York, looking at Microsoft. Are you looking to buy it or you own it? I
2: own it. I've owned it for a long time. i probably paid $25 a share for it. And mm-hmm. I don't know maybe when the right time will be to take some profit. Um, I kind of still like it, but I do feel like maybe the time is coming soon where I might want to take some off or just wanted to see where you thought of what you thought on
1: that? Yeah, I mean, this is a, a name that uh, has come a long way. You know, it's uh, it's under Balmer, uh, they were struggling and they were trying to be a consumer brand, and they the new leadership has put them in a place where they are strongly the business brand, and they're doing a great job on building the cloud business and uh, a great. Uh, business serving the uh, the business customer, and that has driven their their revenue and profits to you know all time highs. And so I, I like the business overall. Now it is uh, pretty expensive. Your enterprise value EBITDA is twenty times, uh, and it's a one point four trillion dollar market cap. So uh, it, it's pretty expensive, even though it's uh, it's a great business. Uh, what percentage of, of your overall portfolio is it?
2: It's
1: around ten percent. Yes, yeah. See, I mean, it's a, it's starting to get a little hefty for me. Um, I would try to reduce that maybe down to five or six percent, um, and then continue to to ride the rest. Uh, you know, if we do get a recession, you have companies go under. Uh, I think their business will be somewhat sticky, but you're certainly going to have a slowdown uh, in growth and a re. Pricing of of their business. So uh, once again, I still love Microsoft as a business. It's on our watch list to uh, to buy on a major pullback, but uh, ten percent of the portfolio right now at these lofty valuations to me is is a little high. So I would I would pass on. I would reduce my position to uh, five or six percent of your portfolio. Let's go to Jamie in Palo Alto, looking at BGS B and G Foods. Uh, Yes, let's see if I'm sorry,
2: Justin. Uh, Justin,
0: I was actually yes. I, I got in at about twenty-one dollars, and I was trading about fourteen. Um, mm-hmm. um, in my mid-thirties, uh, do you think
2: I should buy some more, or is this something that because I see you just bottom down now to
0: about fourteen dollars?
1: Yeah, uh, well, BNG Foods—they're near. Are they at an all-time low? Close to an all-time low. Uh, they, uh, they were hit today on the Kellogg news. Kellogg had a had a little bit disappointing report, but uh, you know billion dollar market cap now on B and G Foods, and they're trading at about one times uh, book value, one enterprise value to revenues of one point seven, which is uh, basically an all time low. Now their their business is struggling some, but they do have positive cash flow. Um, it depends on your risk, you know, adding more. Uh, at these levels, is you're adding cheap levels. However, it's still a risky proposition. I don't think the dividend is going to be sustained. I think they're going to have to cut that. Um, but their their cash flow uh, and profitability remains uh, relatively stable. Um, you know, it is declining some, but. At current valuations, it's just it's just very cheap. So um, I still like the name long term, but once again, it's a it's a value play. Value plays take sentiment shifts. It takes a sentiment shift to uh, get a business to be revalued by the market higher, right? Um, but it's still trailing twelve months. Still has positive free cash flow. Uh, it's it's uh, operating cash flow in two thousand and eighteen was uh, two hundred million and I think they'll be able to return to that at some point point. Uh, and it's a billion dollar market cap so I think there is great value here uh, but once again you're going to need to work through these tough times and get the business back at least stop shrinking uh, and that's going to um, take some, some proper steps by management and I think they'll eventually get there because they have a history of doing it they have a history of strong acquisitions creating value out of those acquisitions selling them off uh, Pirates Booty is one of them. Uh, that's a business they recently sold. So uh, I still like it long term, but you're going to have to deal with some volatility until the market sentiment shifts, just like any value stock. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program, and I will return on Monday. Steve Beasley will be hosting the program tomorrow. Now, please remember you can access our free Invest Talk podcast downloads at iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Be sure to listen, rate, and review. Good night.